Hello, friends, and welcome. This is Syracuse Football Post Game, presented by our friends at Krause Health. My name is Brent Dax. Emily Liker is in Chapel Hill, North Carolina, and we are here to talk some football with you. Uh, at least one team played football today. I don't know what Syracuse was doing, but uh, the final score from lovely Chapel Hill, 40-7. to 7. Uh, the Orange basically no-showed this one. We will go over everything you need to know about this game. Yep, we're going to talk about I know it didn't really end up mattering in the long run, but people are still fired up about that. Uh, the punt situation, we shall call it, where Syracuse did not get that call in the first quarter when it was still a football game. Uh, the Drake May show and everything that comes from this matchup. And uh, you are welcome to join this program, as always, via voicemail at 315-552-1964. We're also going to highlight your comments. If you're watching on Facebook and YouTube, you can leave your comments. We'll highlight those as we go through the show as well, because uh, we are live here on our Syracuse Orange Sports YouTube page and Facebook. If you're watching us uh, down the road in the future, just know that uh, Emily and I do this show live after every Syracuse football game. Uh, Emily, I'm going to get to you in a minute. I want to hear what Dino Babers had to say about a couple of things and get your thoughts on this game. But I'm, I'm just going to I'm going to zoom out and start with a macro thought here. OK, I want to quote John Wildack, Syracuse athletic director. OK. Syracuse football is an ascendant brand, a brand on the rise. And for those who may have questioned our commitment to football, let today put that narrative to rest forever. End quote. That was John Wildhack a couple of weeks ago at the groundbreaking for uh, the new phase of the Lally Complex, the brand new football facility that Syracuse is currently constructing. OK, I want to quote John Wildhack again, quote, if you ask me to describe Syracuse athletics in one word, it would be momentum. That was John Wildhack. That is from the Cuse Athletic Fund Twitter feed. He was addressing uh, some some donors and, and some alums at homecoming weekend and this was just before the clemson game last weekend now in that case he said syracuse athletics not just syracuse football but he means football in the sense that it is an ascendant brand it is on the rise emily i think that he has one week and that's next week for this football team to prove him right and here's what i mean by that if syracuse loses again to florida state and loses convincingly and even if they win every game left on the schedule and they finish 9-3, and three, I have trouble agreeing with the fact that you are an ascendant brand, that you are building momentum. Because in that case, you're just doing what is expected of you now. You're doing basically the bare minimum, right? I mean, let's look at the rest of the schedule. We're halfway through. <laughs> We're halfway through the schedule yeah. already. Syracuse goes to Florida State next week, could beat Virginia Tech, by the way, 39-17. That's the one chance to prove you're an ascendant brand because you're punching up. You're beating a top five team in the country and the team that is now widely considered to win the league. Okay. After that, you go to Virginia Tech, who's two and four, but that's a tough place to play. Lane Stadium on a Thursday night. Boston College, who barely beat Army today, by the way, 27-24. They're three and three. You go to Yankee Stadium to take on Pittsburgh, who's having a tough season by their standards. Phil Dracovic just got moved to tight end, by the way, this week. After that, you're at Georgia Tech and you host Wake Forest. So if you go 9-3, and three, best case scenario, if you lose to Florida State next week, you may have had a great season, but you're not a great team and you're not an ascendant brand. That, that does not fit. So I just kind of wanted to put the AD's words out there 
because today was an example, Emily, of you're just not on the level of what is a top brand in the ACC. And North Carolina just kind of got to this party a couple of years ago, and having an NFL-level quarterback in Drake May certainly helps that. So that's kind of my macro-level thought on this. Let's go micro and look at this game. Emily, just just give me the things that, that pop off the page to you and maybe what Dino Baber said specifically about what happened in this game afterwards. Yeah, well, I know. I think the thing that everyone wants to hear about and the thing that was on everyone's mind, regardless of if it really impacted the end of the game, which it didn't, uh, was, was that early first down that UNC got off of a blocked punt by as you blocked the punt and the punter picked it up scrambled 17 yards and gets hit out of bounds by Onwar Sparrow they both go down I don't think Sparrow came back in the game um interesting I, I don't I don't remember for sure but there was a comment from Syracuse's SID if he did come back and he didn't play very much um I saw a picture from one of the UNC sports guys post game of the punter's face mask and it was like dented so like big hit on the sidelines the hit is right at the first down marker which was the 42 yard line in this case um and it gets ruled a first down right Every, everyone watching everyone listening to this i hope has watched it i'm not going to explain it too much further but i will say that watching it in the box i didn't think it was a first down it was i I said as much post game because Dino Dino asked us. He flipped it on us, and he was like, "Well, what did you guys think?" And I was like, "No, I don't think I was." What I said is, I think at most the punter's like foot, right side of his body, maybe a little bit crossed the line, but he had the ball in his left hand. And it, my understanding is that the ball is what has to cross the first down marker to make it a first down, and that didn't happen. It didn't. Um, yeah. So obviously, the first thing I asked about post game, Dino. What was the conversation around this? So he said the refs came over to him after the initial call and were like, he made the, he made the first down. He made it. That's it. And so then we see this going back to like live during the game, we see players coming back on the field, everyone getting ready. Dino starts walking out like all the way to midfield. He's waving his hands over the head. I'm sitting in the box. Like what is going on? No one, no one sees him apparently. Like he's just going like this and finally gets the ref's attention. So he said, he said he called the ref back over and he was like, I want to challenge that. And the refs were like, you know, we already reviewed it. And he was like, no, I want to challenge that because I want it on the record that I don't think that was a first down. And so they went to challenge it. Dino described the amount of time that they spent uh, <laughs> reviewing it as he snapped three times in his post-game press conference. So obviously he did not think they spent enough time looking back at it. And then what I thought was really interesting is he said they came back to him and said that they didn't have the camera angle to overturn the call. Oh, that's they did not nonsense. They did not come back and say he made the 42 yard line. And so Dino was like, if they had told me they didn't have the camera angle the first time around, I wouldn't have challenged it. I wouldn't have wasted the first down or the, the timeout, but that's not what they had told him. And so that was definitely interesting to me. I'm curious, obviously, to ask Monday if he decides to submit it, considering that he challenged it. Um, but well, he, yeah, that's that, interesting that right that. there. <laughs> Let me stop you there, Emily, because I asked him last week about the Garrett Schrader. Was it a targeting? Was it a not? And basically said, mm -hmm. I'm not going to waste my time. In this case, I think you do have to submit it. I feel like 
Dino should have been stronger at the post-game press conference. It, 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 just go in there and lay it on the refs. And I know this is not Dino's style. He kind of does it, you know, a little more slyly. And like you said, he kind of put it on us. And he did say, you know, I want it on the record that I, I challenged that. But in this case, the ACC officials had every angle in the world. And for them to say they didn't have an angle to determine the football didn't cross the first line, the first down line is absurd. And look, I'm just going to say this. SU fans for years, since they've got into this league, have felt like ACC refs have it out for them, which makes me laugh. I mean, I love a good conspiracy theory. (laughs) Yeah. Emily, it's not that. ACC refs, and I don't want to paint with a broad brush here, and I get they have a tough job and all the things I'm supposed to say here. I watch a lot of ACC football, whether the game is above or below the Mason-Dixon line. They do this all the time. ACC refs screw this stuff up all the time, right? And they don't get held accountable for it, and they just kind of, you know, whistle past the graveyard and move past this. So I feel like I get why Dino won't do it because you lost 40 to 7 and you don't want it to be sour grapes and they got bigger fish to fry but i'm sorry you know what if you don't do it then wild hack needs to do it someone's got to throw their fist on the table and say this is unacceptable you've got all these angles you can't tell me you didn't have a clear replay because you did and pay the fine okay whatever it is i saw josh black and sterling hoffrichter on twitter I basically saying too. we'll <laughs> pay the fine right yeah. so take them up on it and put the feet to the flames of these officials and i get ultimately the play doesn't matter. Well, you know what? I am now in a position, Emily, where I can no longer go back on SU fans on Twitter and try and talk them out of the fact that ACC refs are out to get them, right? <laughs> I'd rather you take the the, uh, the the take that they're incompetent because that's what the more logical thing, but I'm out. I cannot push back on that anymore because they just keep doing this, and it's it's ridiculous. Yeah, I I, I... I will say I'm glad you brought up kind of the comparison to the targeting call last week and and Dino hadn't challenged that one. He said he didn't challenge it because he didn't think they were going to turn it back to a targeting call after um after they they had already overturned it once. Um and that call I think was a lot more kind of gray area than this one. I mean targeting always is. For sure. Um, so so that was those those were definitely different calls. I did ask like did Dino feel like he needed to challenge this call because he didn't challenge that one last week? And he was like, no, I don't do things like that. And he got about as, he got about as uh, pointed as Dino gets in a, in a moment like that. And, and he was like, right is right. And wrong is wrong. And yeah, that's that about, that's about as harsh as you get when talking about those types of okay. things. Okay. Now let's get into a, a call that was made that, Again, ultimately, Carolina was rolling. Drake May put on a clinic today, 442 yards, picking apart the SU defense. And it's not like they were doing anything out of this world, Emily. I mean, they're just basically running slant routes and running by the SU secondary. So I want to hear what Dino had to say about that and what you saw in Chapel Hill on that front. But Syracuse is down 30-7. to It's late in the third quarter. Got the ball at midfield. Fourth and one. Garrett Schrader tries a sneak. There's a uh, offsides penalty. So now it's fourth and six. And Dino punts the football. I'm sorry you can't do that. This is the second week in a row. I am befuddled. We disagree on this. (laughs) We do disagree on this. And I want to know what you think about this. In my view, you got to go for it. Okay, this is this week's 57-yard field goal. Right? You're at midfield. Your defense has stopped nothing. You've got maybe three possessions left. You've got, you're down 23 points. 
the way you're going to light any flame of a comeback or just even to make the score more respectable is you got to score points. You're at midfield. It's fourth and six. And I know that they were down the North Carolina defense, which I, you know, had heard was not that good, you know, just completely shut down Garrett Schrader in this offense today. I think it's the optics of it, Emily. I think it's the message you send by not going for it. What do you have to lose at that point? You're at midfield. You're already getting your butt kicked. Like, send the message. Try and rally the troops that we're going for it here. It's the same thing last week with the 57-yard field goal. I felt they should have faked the play in that spot against Clemson at home, get some momentum, and you got to do this in football sometimes. You got to try and you just got to do something, right? And Dino just... He used to do this a lot more. He would go for it more on fourth down. And for a while there in, in the in the Dino tenure, I kind of felt like this was a guy that would always kind of roll the dice in these situations. Now he doesn't even take them out of his pocket. But you disagree. What did you say? Yeah, you know, I mean, so like you said, it, it's a fourth and one. And they do go out for it on the fourth and one, which I think on, on the fourth and one, they were what, just inside the UNC 40-yard line, I mm-hmm. think. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they get the false start, which pushes them that four and six. They're like at the 46 yard line. Um, just the way Syracuse's offense had been playing the likelihood they were going to convert that non-existent. And then you give UNC the ball basically at midfield, whereas they were able to punt it and trap them inside the 15. And now <laughs> did that ultimately end up mattering anyway? No, because they rattled off an 83 yard touchdown or something like that four plays later and ended up scoring anyway um, because the defense let up. And so like, there's all these moments, like I can understand from, from like an optics perspective, like your argument here that it's like, you want, you want to seem like you're staying in it, that type of thing. I can understand that, I guess, but that's also subjective. And you know what? Like, I just don't think the likelihood was high enough that they could have converted that, that you can like, categorically call that like a a bad call from a play calling standpoint like an actual logistics of the game optics aside that's why i brought it up in a comment a moment ago emily uh to to move on to this the last two weeks i think has been more about missing aronde gatson it does show that syracuse is hurt i mean any team would be hurt by losing gatson the guy's a first round potential draft pick okay but it also shows how reliant they are on a talent like that. And maybe the depth is not there. Damian Alford was a ghost out there today, had his chances, just couldn't come up with the plays. Amari Hatcher made a great catch and one of the few signs of life the Syracuse offense showed. It just is another OG special, and I don't want to try and disregard him here, but maybe you need two or three players like that, not on his level. But this just shows you again how reliant Syracuse can be on certain players. OG, Sean Tucker last year. Uh, we can go through examples of players that have gone out last year. So I get that point, but you got to find a way to have a functioning offense when you lose a top target like that. In the last two weeks, we just have not seen that. I get it against Clemson. I don't get it against UNC. What am I missing, Emily? What did you see being there in Chapel Hill today? Because I expected Clemson to out physical Syracuse, if that's even a term. I did not expect that today. Yeah, you know, I mean, I, I expected it to be a closer scoring game as well. I think numbers-wise, this did not look like a great UNC defense. They, coming into this game, were giving up 363 average yards per game to opposing offenses and, like, 22 points or something like that. So this felt like a game where 
SU should be able to get some things moving, even with UNC just objectively having more talent on on both sides of the ball than than Syracuse does. Um, but again, there's just no receiving game going on mm-hmm. for Syracuse right now. It's super inconsistent. And, you know, the point about OG, like we had even been saying that prior to OG getting hurt, right? Because when you only have one guy who can make those catches, defenses are going to hone in on him every time. Like you look at OG's stats from the first six games of the year last year when he was an unknown, no one had very much tape against him versus the back six games of the season when, granted, you were also dealing with things like Schrader being hurt and going up against better defenses and such like if you only have one guy on your team who can make plays that guy is going to be taken away by an opposing defense so like even if Aronde was still on the field sure things might look better here and there but you still need guys like Damian Alford and Yamari Hatcher and Isaiah Jones who apparently did get in the game today though not enough for me to really notice it um you need those guys stepping up and making the plays and and that just hasn't been a thing and Garrett Trader came out and talked post game and he was like it's all about execution and we just aren't able to execute right now and he was well, like by the way you know a name <laughs> I didn't hear today either was Dan Villari you know a week after his his supposed breakout and you know again how many times do I have to say throw the ball to the darn tight end especially when you, you're trying to jumpstart your offense and I don't know maybe UNC honed in on him he is even though he played he's not a hundred percent. He did get hurt last week. So, you know, we'll have to keep an eye on that, but boy, I, I, I just look football's football sports or sports. You can't always go by the script, but I did not expect this today. I didn't ex- expect Syracuse to just no show in this one and just get completely outclassed by Carolina. But look, look at these numbers, Emily, UNC 644 total yards to Syracuse's 221. They had 33 first downs to Syracuse's 11 uh, they ran 97 plays to Syracuse's 51. Drake May, we mentioned, 442 yards. They scored on their first seven possessions. I'm not even going to go back and give you the halftime numbers. North Carolina had over 400 yards at halftime, and Syracuse, I think, had like less, than 100. 100. less than 100. Less than 100. Yeah. yeah. So, I don't know. I, it's we're, And, again, it's funny to say we're halfway through the season. They're 4-2. and two. They are halfway home with one chance to punch up and then – you know, a lot of games that I think you'll either be favored in or certainly can win, but there's only one home game between now and two days after Thanksgiving with the Pittsburgh game being at Yankee Stadium, and we talked about that a bunch this week. I don't know. I What am I missing here? I just did not expect this, to, to see yeah. this today. And did any, I mean, you said what Schrader said and what Dino said afterwards, anybody else kind of hint at that today, or was everybody just kind of uh, spouting the cliches after this one? Um, you know, I mean, a lot of Dino was taken up by the two things that we already talked about. We only talked to him for like 10 to 12 minutes after the game on the road. And we spent a significant amount of time on that, that botched call. Um, in particular, Garrett, it was all just kind of about the execution stuff. Mm. I thought it was curious. He said he felt like he played fine. I would maybe disagree with that a little. There were some questionable moments, I think, where I was, I did not feel like he was playing like a veteran QB should in terms of his decision-making. Now, when you're being when you're under pressure because your line is collapsing and you don't have a single receiver to turn to that you can rely on sure i get that um but i don't know it, it's it's tough right because we were all expecting them to lose this three game stretch like n- no one thought they were going to come out of this stretch with 
more than maybe one win. Like even even after like the four and zero start and how dominant they looked in some of those games and how they toughed it out against Purdue. Like everyone was still like, okay, they're probably going to lose all three of these upcoming games. And so it's like, yes, I think to your point, like if, if they can't do something against Florida state, especially after Virginia tech was able to put up 17 points and Virginia tech is not good. And we saw Boston college nearly beat Florida state That's right. and Boston college is also not very good. If Syracuse can't do something against Florida state, then it is certainly alarming. Even if we were expecting the loss, because well, then we, it, go ahead. No, sorry to interrupt you, but what you just said sticks out to me. And you're, you're not wrong. Cause I think everybody watching this and listening to this agrees when you kind of said, well, we expected this team to lose those three games. Well, I guess that's part of the problem mm-hmm. is we're still at a point where you're expected. It wasn't like, oh, I think they got a shot. I think uh, we had talked before the season. You made a great point in this. This could be a big swing game for the season. I think our friend Nate Mink flat out predicted Syracuse could and, and would win this game. People looked at Carolina's beatable. And yeah. Drake May had other ideas. And, you know, we've made it this far down the road, Emily, and haven't brought this up. The, Sy- the mob defense – this has been a strength of this team this year. They have kept this team in a lot of games this year. Anything that can still get after the quarterback and create some turnovers, not today. And look, that's Drake May. That dude's playing on Sundays next year. And I get that. You're going to see good quarterbacks in a big boy league like the ACC. Guess what? You're seeing another one next week against mm-hmm. Jordan Travis. So I think, you know, look, you're not going to have 12 gangbusters days. But again, I was surprised to see Syracuse's defense just, just helpless for most of this game. Yeah, and you know, I think something that is particularly damning, and let me make sure it's it held true through the end of the game. It did. Uh, Justin Barron, who had a clubbed hand because he has a brace on his his left hand right now, like a kind of it's not a cast, but it's like a hard plastic and has some straps around it. Um, he was playing with a club hand, and he led the team in tackles with fourteen today. And then wow. it was Jaden, it was Jaden Bellamy behind him, and. Um, <laughs> I, I did ask, Justin came out. Um, I did ask him what was going on with his hand. And he said, well, it's an owie like coach papers. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, okay, that's really helpful. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> and then uh, I was like, he kind of like alluded that he was going to have to get used to playing with that situation. And I was like, Oh, are you expecting to still have this on for the next couple of weeks, rest of the season? And he was like, we'll see. So he might be kind of incapacitated like that for who knows how long. And he is the the strongest guy as he has in the secondary right now. Clark had some moments, um, some breakups at the sideline, but nothing like super consistent tonight like we've seen in the past from him. It's an owie. You, you got to love it. He's a football player, kids. You got to love it. That's fantastic. Emily, the voicemail bin was full after this I'm one. I'm so excited. Here we go. All right, folks, you want to leave us a voicemail? It's 315-552-1964. Let us go to voicemail number one. Yeah, it's uh, Ron down here in Florida. I just uh, problem with Schrader a lot of times, and especially in the, this game here, he, he chooses to run the ball way too much, you know, uh, and, takes it in his own hands. And then that D is playing. The, the corners are playing way soft against this guys. But hopefully we can rectify it. Go, go Q's. Bye. 
Okay, that was uh, Ron from Florida who called during the game. I love mm. when we're getting the calls during the game. There's a couple of these, Emily, where we get some people at halftime and they're kind of venting a little bit and they're all like, Let's see if it gets better in the second half. And uh, rest assured, it did not. Here's our I second. Will, oh, go ahead. Oh, wait, can I make a note? Can I make a note on that one? I will say I was intrigued. So kind of to that point, Schrader in the first half had a scramble that ended in a sack and a fumble that did get recovered by Cuse, but had ended like their first really good drive because he lost seven yards. And, and that was a play where like, granted I was watching him and not also watching downfield, but it looked like he was just waffling between wanting to run the ball and wanting to throw it. And he probably should have just thrown it away and he didn't. And then after halftime, there was a play in the second half where something kind of similar was happening and he chucked it out of bounds. And I was like, Someone told Garrett he does not need to hold on to the ball anymore and just needs to get rid of it. So I'm curious if we will see more of that in the coming weeks because, yeah, they're right. You can't you can't do that all the time. Voicemail number two. Hey, X, who is calling the plays, the offensive plays? I'm telling you, this is the worst play calling I have seen since last year. It's just getting worse. And Schrader's making way too many his own run. Thanks. There you go. So a similar note there in that second voicemail. Jason Beck is calling the plays. Is it the offense, though? I think it's more on Schrader, to be honest. I was going to say, I I was thinking of this, like, in the middle of the game. I was like, is this play calling? Is this just one Syracuse getting shut down and two Schrader trying to be a little bit of a hero and getting stuffed a lot. Um, and, and I, yeah, I think it's, it's the latter Garrett said post game. He was like, I thought we had a good game plan. We just weren't able to execute it. And so like you, like Jason Beck's a smart guy. Um, and you know what, like there's only so much you can do when you're playing ACC top defenses and getting outscored, like, 40 points to seven stuff like that. That's a I good don't point know. when you're down and you got, we mentioned it. UNC scores their seven straight possessions. You got to adjust, but we hear so much about how well they adjust. I, I have quibbles here and there. Like I mentioned, throw to the tight end more and things of that nature. But by and large, I don't think it's the play calling right now. Not to say it won't be as we go down the last six games of the season, but I, I wouldn't put that at the top of the list quite yet. Here is number three. This is Greg. I'm here at the, UNC Syracuse game. Beautiful day. They look like they're catching a suntan. They ain't doing nothing. I, I don't know what's going on, but uh, I hope they pick it up in the second half. I doubt it, though. Thanks. Thank you, Greg. Called from Chapel Hill. And Emily, as you know, it was gorgeous down there today. It was raining all day here in central New York. You guys got some beautiful southern weather down there. So at least you got a suntan and maybe had a couple beverages and enjoyed other parts of the day. The football, not so much. Yeah. No beverages for me yet, but maybe in my future. (laughs) Here's number four. Greg, this is Steve from Chickasha, Oklahoma. I've been listening to you for the last 10 to 15 years every Sunday evening or Monday morning, it is time for Dino to go. These decisions are absolutely horrendous and have to be more, uh, uh, terrible for the morale of the kids. Dino just does not seem to be up to making the right calls 
it's time for him to go. He's a nice guy, but you know what happens with nice guys. They finish last. Have a good evening. That's a great Green Day song you just referenced there. It's, that's a good, I, great uh, reference. Florida, Carolina, Oklahoma. We're nationwide. Not Central All New York. Fantastic. Uh, look, mm. it's it's what I think what he said is how a lot of fans feel in terms of like, I like the, you know, I like the way he runs the program, but it's these decisions that we seem to talk. And you can scrutinize any football coach. I understand that. But it's these game swinging decisions or big moments that stand out where he continually does not, you know, do what he needs to do that I think sticks in a fan's craw when you go through the losses like this. You get, we have to see a moment where he makes a big decision and it helps win a football game, get Syracuse over the hump. It's, instead, it's what we said earlier, Emily. I'm talking a lot about not faking field goals, not going forward at midfield. It's a lot of knots and misses and, and things that just come up short that, that swing football games. We said it's not the play calling, so I want to be fair about this. But, hey, when you're the head coach, you know, all, all the success and all the, all the failure uh, points one way. And number five, here we go. Hey, Brent, just wanted to say a quick thank you and congratulations on the new pod. Really been enjoying it so far. Make my day whenever a new episode drops. I just want to leave a quick voicemail here, short and simple, some food for thought. We need to ask about the identity of this program. Are we complacent to be in a 6 one team with full game eligibility being the definition of program coach success? You know, we just see this year in and year out now with Dino coming back and everyone coming back only because we got 6 ones in a bowl game. I don't know if that is a program identity we want. I'm now also just asking the question, are playing good teams like UNC, Clemson, even though they're in conference, are playing these games any sort of competitive benefit to us, or are they just there for exposure on the national spotlight? Thanks again. I uh, hope you have a great day. Thank you for I the voicemail. I have answers to both, I think. Fire away. One, the, the identity question. I, I don't think they should be satisfied with a six or seven win season either or consistent six or seven win seasons, but I think they are. I like just, at, at least at this point, I think that gets enough done for Syracuse and for Wild Hack to be able to, okay, we're going to keep keep Dino around. We're going to keep this program going. Like, and that's not to say like in their like greatest expectations, they're not hoping that Syracuse can go 10 and three like they did in 2018. But I think, I think hitting that six and six mark or six and yeah, six and six would be 0.500 at the end of the season. I think that's good enough for them. At least that is what they have shown us through their actions. There's they no have question they're satisfied us. with that. There's, there's, there's no, yeah. <laughs> there's no question about that. I, I don't want to misquote them here, but, John Wildhack said something recently that's basically like, we don't have to be Clemson, okay? I get that. No one's saying you got to be Clemson, but just be like, hey, get over that six-win finish line. We're all good here. I think that last voicemail brings up a good point. Now, you have to play North Carolina, <laughs> yeah. Florida State, Clemson, like the teams in your league, but that's who you measure yourself up against, right? It's like the great mm-hmm. line from Caddyshack, how do you measure yourself against other golfers? It's not by height. It's by how well you play, okay? Yeah. These are your peers. And with the ACC schedule getting jumbled, they're going to have to redo it again next year because of Cal and Stanford and SMU coming in. So at least you're seeing more of the league. Emily, that's even more of a a judgment of how you are against your peers because at the very least, when you were playing the same six or seven teams, you knew them, you know them. That's why I think Syracuse plays really well against teams like Clemson, right? But 
what better way to see where you are in as identified by the athletic director as an ascendant brand than judging yourself against the better teams. And they laid off in the non-conference schedule for that reason. And what we're seeing by results is it's not working, right? That's like I said, it's all in this Florida State game next week. If you can, I mean, I don't want to bottom line it and say you got to beat them, but if you want to match all this ascendant brand stuff and momentum stuff we're talking about here, show me because the numbers and the, the key wins are not there. Otherwise, you're just exactly what uh, we referenced there. You're, you're, hey, we got seven wins. We got to a bowl game and, you know, hang up a banner. Let's go. I'll share I'll share a, a bonus, not a voicemail, but a text that literally just came in from my father um, who watches Syracuse so he can talk about it with me. Um, otherwise, he is a Washington fan. Uh, he says, Cuse needs to schedule Clemson later in the season since they suck so bad after playing. <laughs> and you know what? Yeah. I, I, is it a Clemson thing? Is it just a, like the mid season always sucks thing? I don't know. Like we have a sample size to say that coming off Clemson games, they do not look very good um, in the past two years. So we'll see. I don't know um, where on the schedule Clemson is next year, but I do believe they play them again next, next year in, in South Carolina. So. And the second half of the season has not been kind to Dino Babers. They only have no. two home games left, one on a Friday night against Boston College and the other two days after Thanksgiving against Wake Forest. They sold the Pittsburgh game to Yankee Stadium. And as I wrote this week, I think John Wildhack's got to show his notes on that. Okay, from the money you get from that, how are you investing in the program? It's good for recruiting. What recruits did you get specifically from that game? Like, show me your notes. Show me your work, as my math teacher used to say back in the day we you you can't just say all these broad things about how it's good for the brand he thinks he's pat mcafee right now you got to show me what exactly you're getting from that if you're getting more money than a typical home game at the dome and all these great then great but how is it making the program better because you said it i'm just i'm just going off your words here so a lot of macro micro conversations here emily but i think this is the time of the year yeah, it's that it's exactly that time, it's that time of year. We're halfway through. People aren't seeing the results they need to. They're seeing what they typically see from Syracuse football. And those that want to see things ascend, to use that word, uh, well, they just haven't seen it yet. We'll see what happens next week when the Orange visit Florida State. We don't know what time that game is yet. It's either going to be noon or 7.30. We'll find out from the ACC on that soon, now that we know the result of this game. So we will be live after that game on all the places you're watching now on YouTube, on Facebook, on Twitter, and uh, the podcast available to you if you subscribe on Spotify, Apple, YouTube, and Amazon as well. Emily, thanks for finding a quiet spot there uh, in the press box in North Carolina. Any, uh, what do I see behind you? Any good food left from the There is still food in here. I, I tweeted earlier that they had... So, like, the situation for food at UNC, this is, like, inside baseball right now, is they didn't do a pregame meal. They just had, like, snacks and drinks out, and then they brought in pizza for us that's still out there. They brought in pizza at the fourth quarter. Phenomenal move, in my opinion. I love that move. Um, But they had fruit roll-ups as one of the snacks, which I was stoked about. I haven't had a fruit roll-up in years, but they – were they've probably been, they've probably been sitting in there for so long that they were like so stuck to the wrappers that I could not <laughs> pull them up. But there, I see some back here, so I'm hoping that the ones they left in the AD box are nicer than the ones they had for us. Not to end on a grim note, because I'm still here. True story. Almost choked to death on a fruit roll up when I was six years old, and my sister saved my that. life. 
My sister <laughs> saved my life. But that's a story for another day. What a cliffhanger to end the show, wow. on, right? So when you said fruit roll-ups, I'm like, I have not had one of those in forever and for very good reason. But mm -hmm. on any case, uh, Syracuse loses to North Carolina 40-7. to Thank you, Emily. Thanks to everybody that was watching. Thanks for your voicemails. Keep them coming. Uh, we'll play some more on Syracuse Sports next week. And uh, we appreciate you guys uh, checking out the show here. The Orange drop one to UNC 40-7 to and fall to 4-2 on the season. This has been Syracuse Football Postgame presented by Krause Health, the exclusive Healthcare provider for SU Athletics.